0: Here you go. Ghosted. Nothing personal word of the day. It's a Friday. TGIF. I actually don't even believe in TGIF. If you're doing well in life and which you should be because life is short. Carpe diem. It shouldn't be TGIF. It should be TG. I always said it should be TGIT. Thank God it's today. Today is Friday, December 4th, 2020. The word of the day is ghosted. Ghosted is a word that meant nothing to me as I was growing up in this fine world of ours. But ever since the advent of this, actually, ghosted, you know what, Coca, forget it. I know what ghosted was. Ghosted was me in elementary school and middle school when I wanted to get girls to call me back or I was interested in when I liked a girl and I would you know, get a phone call one time, except there were no cell phones. So it'd be a phone call to your house phone. And you'd call, hi, Mrs. Johnson, is Betsy there? And yes, who's calling? This is David. Oh, David, hold on. And then there's a hold. And then it comes back. Oh, I'm sorry, she's not here right now. That's when I first learned how assistants lie on behalf of their bosses. You know when, you call, when you're when you calling someone and you really want to talk to them and they're an executive and you pick up the phone and you call and you get the assistant, hi, is, uh, you know, Mr. Johnson there. Uh, one second, let me check. What, what does that mean? What are you checking? You're checking to see whether he's there. You're his assistant. You know very well whether he's there. What you're really saying is, one second, let me check if he's going to take your call. That would be an honest answer that I always like. So then the assistant comes back and says, no, I'm sorry, I can't get him. What do you mean? Of course you can get him. You just won't tell me the truth, which is he won't talk to me. I had so many people do that during the course of my career when I was in sales, when I was starting a business, even when I'm in baseball. So you just, it's hard to reach people sometimes. So I would always, when I was trying to, uh, at Morgan Stanley, I was, had to find clients the best time to actually uh, get through the gatekeeper, that was called. How do you avoid the gatekeeper? Call before nine and after five, because many people work before nine and after five, but their assistants only work from nine to five. And so they have no choice but to answer the phone. And when they do answer the phone, sometimes they pretend it's not them, but you know it is them. So you say what you want. And if you do know the person already, then you say, hey, oh, uh, how you doing? It's David. Great to catch you, I'd always say even though it was completely, uh, what's the word, Cocoa, when you premeditated. It was completely premeditated to call those hours. So that was before cell phones, before texting. Then, of course, texting started, and people started saying, yeah, I spoke to him two days ago. And you say, oh, what did he say? And then the person says to you, oh, no, I texted. So texting is not speaking, but people say texting is speaking. So if you texted with someone, you could say you spoke with someone, My view is no, you didn't speak to them. You texted with them. So texting is the new form of communication. So ghosting on texting is when you text, and this is my favorite. I text, and and people who weren't smart enough to turn off. Hold on one second, please. Thank you. When people were not smart enough to turn off that read receipt, that's the first thing you have to turn off. You go to settings, text messages and then read receipt, toggle that off. Because when read receipt is on, that means that the person who texted you gets to see when you read the text that was sent to you. And if you read the text that was sent to you and then don't respond to the text, that means that you saw it but didn't respond to it, and the person who sent it feels like crap. So now you turn off that read receipt and all it says when you send a text, it says delivered. It never says received, it never says read, It's just delivered. So you don't have to respond to someone immediately because you can simply say, and it's plausible, you could say, Hey, I didn't see it, even though that seems unlikely to me because the odds are you saw it. You may not have opened it. And if you opened it, you may not have read it. And if you read it, you may not have wanted to respond to it immediately. And then all of a sudden you get 25 more texts and all of a sudden that's it. It's way down the list. You're never going to see it again unless you're OCD like I am, in which case your phone will never have a red dot on it at all. I actually have a red dot of one right now. That's the only dot I have is one little, because every time I have a red number, I want to get rid of it because I can't stand the way it looks or the way it feels as though I have to get something done. So ghosting is when you text someone and they see it and then that's it. They don't respond or you call them. They don't call you back. You've gone on a date, let's say, and they forget calling you the next day or the day after. They simply ghost you. So why is ghosted the word of the day? Land it, Samson. That's what Coca. This is Coca. Land it, Samson. God damn it. Land it. It's five minutes in and we don't know what the hell the word of the day is for. This is what's in my ear. Ghosted. As in James Harden ghosting his new coach, Stephen Silas. Steven Silas was named the head coach of Houston after Mike D'Antoni was shown the door. As he would say, he chose to leave because he wasn't offered a new contract. As I would say, he was fired. So Steven Silas was the offensive coach for the Dallas Mavericks under Rick Carlisle, the son of Paul Silas, the basketball player. Coke, have I told you the cool thing about Paul Silas? Do you know who Paul Silas is? Have you ever heard that name? So Paul Silas was a uh, a power forward in the NBA, played for a bunch of teams. The coolest thing about Paul Silas is every year his uniform number changed. I bet you didn't know that. I don't think I think goes to me right now, actually. Coca, are you there? Can you hear me? Johnny, can you hear me? Seriously? It's Friday. Of course, it's Friday. It's Friday. Coca's done. Coca took a three-day weekend he pressed record. We talked about the show last night and this morning, and that's it. He's on his way to the beach. Anyway, Paul Silas was a power forward, played for the Celtics, played for the Sonics, and he changed his uniform number every year, and it was always his age. So one year is 34, the next year was 35, the next year 36. I always thought that was very cool. And jersey sales didn't really matter because no one was buying a Silas jersey. So Paul Silas was also a head coach for a while, I believe, Coca. I don't know why I'm saying Coca. He's not here. I believe listeners and viewers on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel, which you've subscribed to, or the podcast network, wherever you get your podcast that you're downloading and subscribing. I believe Paul Silas did coach. He may have coached the Hornets, the Cavs, maybe even the Bobcats, but I can't remember. Coca, if you think I'm giving you credit for all of a sudden whispering to my ear where Paul Silas coached, given the fact that you've been ghosting me for the past three minutes, you're out of your mind. I'm going to let the, hold on. I didn't mute that. Hello? Wait, was that on the show or was that me? See, I have a way where I can talk to Coca when I'm not on the show like this. You hear me? All right. And then, so you didn't hear that, right? But I was talking to Coca. I meant to have that on my Coca line. Anyway, whatever, Coca, I'm not giving you the credit for that. Hold on. I'm not, I'm not giving you the credit for that. So Paul Silas' son, Stephen Silas, was named the coach of the Houston Astros. And so he gets there, and the first thing he does, and you know this is what we're supposed to do when you, are, when you become a new manager, not of the Houston Astros, It's of course, it's the Houston Rockets. Thank you. The first thing you do, you better speak to your superstars. We talked about this with some of the managers who were named in baseball. Now let's talk about Steven Silas. Stephen Silas needs to call James Harden because James Harden has made clear he is not happy and he wants to be traded to the Brooklyn Nets. You're a new coach, first-timer. You got to call. So Stephen Silas calls up James Harden. What happens when a new coach comes in or a new manager, the assistant general manager gives the manager a list of all phone numbers so he gets all players. Before we let players go for the offseason, we always would get their offseason contact numbers. Now, it, it used to be that you would just take their home number where they lived offseason and their home number where they lived during the season because we would ask and demand for their address in-season, their address offseason. Once cell phones really became more popular, which they obviously are now, it's generally the same phone number, so you have an updated list. The problem is, unlike the rest of us, players change their cell phone numbers as often as I change my undies. So it is, it is incumbent on the traveling secretary to always have up-to-date cell phone numbers. Now, many players have multiple cell phone numbers. Some of them have cell phone numbers they use during the season. Some of them then shut off those numbers I'm winking into the camera. They shut off those numbers and then they go to a different number for the offseason. Okay, fine. Just give me the updated numbers. So a list would be given out and the manager would get it. And we would say to a new manager, the 20 times that happened, hey, start talking to the players. Don't just tell us you're going to do it during the interview. Actually do it. So Steven Silas reaches out to James Harden. Crickets. I don't think that's the sound of a cricket, but I'm trying. Coca, do you have the sound of a cricket in your soundboard, which is sort of the way you are reacting to the show right now? No. Okay. So James Harden responds to Steve Silas. No. Okay. Silas says, I got a better idea. Let me text him. Dear James, my name's Steven. So happy to be your coach. So excited to work with you. I promise that we are going to put you in a position to succeed and get you a ring. Love, Steve. Nothing. No response. Media calls up Steve Silas. Hey, how's it going? How's it going with Harden? Let's talk about the trade of John Wall to the Rockets. You happy to have him? What did Harden think? You know what? ladies and gentlemen of the press, I'm a new coach. And in the 2020s, let me tell you how to deal with superstars. You got to give them space. So I'm giving James Harden space. And I'm going to wait for him to reach out to me. And we're going to get to training camp. And I'm going to put in an offense that will be to his benefit. And everything's going to work out great. Can you imagine what a crock of absolute crap that is? Here's what Steven Silas should have said. Man, I can't reach the guy. He will not return a call or a text. I have no idea where he is. I have no idea if he's happy or unhappy. The last thing I want to do is give him space until after we've had a good enough conversation that I know that he's got my back. Because as a new coach in the NBA with a superstar like James Harden, if he doesn't have my back the way Kyrie Irving and Durant don't have Steve Nash's back, then I'm in deep doo-doo. So if anyone can reach out to the beard, if any of you know where he is, could you just give him a little note? Please stop ghosting me. Please You think it's a good idea to give a superstar space like that? I've dealt with a lot of superstars. It's a fine line. You don't want to bother the players when you know that right after the offseason, we would have a rule, no contact for 14 days after the final game of the season. Let the players unwind. They've been around us every day for 185 days, plus 45 days of spring training. Everyone needs a little break but you make sure you have the proper contact information. Then you have a touch point, a reason to call, which is checking in. How's your off season program going? Checking in. How are you feeling? Checking in. I understand there was a bad storm where you live. Is your family okay? Any sort of touch point is important when you're reaching out to a superstar player and not always about, Hey, come do this for us. Come do that for us. Sometimes you have to call your superstar players with absolutely no ask With no agenda, just a hey, thinking about you. You've got to make sure that those players have that relationship with you where even if they don't respond immediately, you know it's not a ghosting. You know it's simply them having read your message and knowing that there was no action item. So, what I would do when I'm texting players is when I need to get a response, I will be very clear in the message Hey, it's David please respond to this. I need an answer by this day about this subject. Or I'll say, hey, no response required, just FYI, A, B, C, or D. You got to make it very clear. If you're a new coach, you've got to make it clear that you've got to get a response from James Harden, because the pressure on you as a new coach to have James Harden, not just backing what you're doing, but understanding the system you're going to put in understanding that he's going to be a part of the system you're going to put in understanding that he was a huge part of bringing in John wall instead of Russell Westbrook, understanding how you want to use John wall along with James Harden. All of those things need to be discussed. And by the way, it's training camp time has Harden showed up to training camp. Coca has there been a workout where James Harden has appeared. I'm going to say no, because all of a sudden there wouldn't be much space, right? So the first practice in theory for the Rockets is coming up on Saturday, December 5th. Will Harden be there? Will there be a conversation with Steven Silas? Will the ghosting continue during the course of the season? These are all questions that if you're the owner of the Rockets, you've got to really deal with, because if you hired a coach, a young coach, and that coach does not have a relationship with your superstar, you're going to have to make a choice And if Harden comes into this season angry that he didn't get traded to the Brooklyn Nets, only a quarter satisfied that you brought in John Wall and jettisoned out Russell Westbrook, you will have a team that I guarantee you will not win in 2021. As a matter of fact, we we should do it. Let's do that. Let's do a phone call immediately. I love the phone calls. Hold on. Here we go. We're doing a quick phone call. Sorry, Coca, this is an important phone call. Here we go. Hello? Uh, hello, who's this? Hey, it's James Harden. It's James, how you doing? Hey, hey, I'm good, how are you? Uh, hello, is this, is this for Tata? Uh, no, one second, hold on one second. James, it's for Tata. Hey, how you doing? Hey, uh, I just want to say hello to you and tell you a couple things just to be clear. I know that we've got practice tomorrow or uh, coming up next week, but I just want to make sure that you understand something. Um, I don't want Russell Westbrook on this team. Um, James, are you aware of the trade that went on? Yeah, of course I am for but... I I don't think you understand. I don't want Westbrook on this team. Uh, James, we 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 traded for John Wall. You're the one who told me on our call last week that you wanted Wall instead of Westbrook. What? That was you? I thought that was the owner of the Nets. Hold on. Well, hold on. I got to call my agent. Hey. For Tata, hold on. I wanted Wall on the Nets with me, you jackass. Can you imagine giving a player that much power? Can you imagine having a player decide who he wants on the team, who he doesn't want on the team? And in the NBA, it's like a a spreading mold, a disease, like a foot fungus, where these players think they run the league and these general managers let them do it. It drives me crazy. Guess what, James Harden and Furtada? and the new Daryl Morey and John Wall. I got to wait to see for you. It's an early wait to see in the show. It's not going to work. The Rockets will not make the Western Conference Finals. They won't even be one of the final two teams in the NBA Western Conference come 2021. You've got an unhappy superstar. You've got a player who's coming off a injury who hasn't played in, God knows, since eighteen 2018 sometime. You've got a new coach who has no relationship with the superstar This spells absolute dumpster fire for the Rockets. Wait to see no Western Conference Finals in the 2000-2021 season. We'll get back to you if we're right, because in theory, we'll be around. If not, I'll tweet it out. Okay, Coca, we got a good one coming up. You know what I want? (laughs) I want to talk to Samson. I want to talk to Samson. By the way, anyone else shopping on Amazon a lot recently? So every day there's like 10 or 11 packages coming and I'm I'm getting whatever. You want wipes, you want toilet paper, you need all sorts of stuff. I tried to get a microphone and I ordered something and I thought that I had ordered a microphone that had been made, I like I filled it in, I just pressed add to cart, buy now, whatever it was. So it came and I'm showing on camera what it came in Look at that label. Can you see that? I don't think you can see it. It says Samson. S-A-M-S-O-N. As in they made it just for me. Isn't that amazing? There's some sort of microphone that I think I should be able to plug in somewhere, which I can't figure out how to do. And even on the microphone, it says Samson, which I think is the coolest thing. They totally made that just for me. They spelled it right and everything. But it came with all these cords. I'm showing people the cords right now. And I tried to plug it in. And then I tried to talk. And I literally couldn't figure out. I'm doing it again. Hello, can you hear me? Hello, I think this USB thing has to be plugged in somewhere. Hello, hello, hello. No, not working. I'm just going to leave it here as though it does work like that. Samson microphone. That was very nice of Amazon. Thank you, Jeff, for my own personal microphone that doesn't work. So you want to talk to Samson. Hey, so you want to talk to Samson. Hey, Samson, there's a movie called Half-Baked for you nothing personal newbies. Thank you for being a newbie. I've noticed. We've all noticed. Thank you. Coca had a call with CBS management and uh, it was a lot of value added. They said, hey, Coca, way to go. Keep going. I thought that was very good. Thank you, Matt. That was good meeting. Thanks for updating me on that. So, so you want to talk to Samson is from a movie called half baked. Half baked is a movie that you want to be at least one quarter baked to see. And there's a character in it named Samson and everybody wants to talk to Samson. It actually has Dave Chappelle in the movie. It's actually a very funny movie. And so there's a segment that we do called, so you want to talk to Samson, you get in Twitter, get on Instagram at David P Samson. Follow me if you don't mind, because thank you. And because it feeds, it, it keeps the dopamine going. And, uh, You ask a question and I'll answer it either on the daily, nothing personal, or at the end of the month, we do a bonus mailbag episode where if you go on Apple rate and review, give it five stars, ask a question, I could answer it in the end of month mailbag. So today we got a question, it was actually yesterday, from an Orioles fan. The Orioles, remember the connection to the Orioles? That's a team that the owner of the Marlins almost bought in 1993, Jeffrey Loria, he was in an auction against Peter Angelos. The team was probably worth $100 million at the time. And Jeffrey Laurie bid $172 million. And Angelos bid $173 million. And that's why Peter Angelos has been your owner in Baltimore for all those years. All these years. So here's the question. After hearing the Orioles GM speak, should I believe in the process? Will the Orioles be the Astros? So let me give you some background to that question and why someone would have asked that question. The Orioles have gone through GMs the way I go through socks. The Orioles have been a laughingstock of a franchise for way too long. Back in the 1990s, when they had Cal Ripken, they were winning a lot of games. They actually won a World Series back in the day. And they were a team that was to be reckoned with. They sold out Camden Yards. It was a brand new, the first of the new ballparks. Sold out every game. They had a TV deal. Everything was amazing with that franchise. And then it completely got blown up. It is sad to see how empty Camden Yards has been for so long. It is sad to see that they are now, they're just terrible. And they've been terrible for a long time. They have a new manager named Brandon Hyde, who is a, remember Brandon Hyde? That was a show we did That was probably a couple weeks ago where we mentioned that Brandon Hyde was a coach for the Marlins and actually got to manage one game with the Marlins back in 2011. He's now the full-time manager of the Baltimore Orioles, and they brought in a new general manager. The Orioles were the team, the first general manager I ever had in baseball, and it was inherited when Jeffrey bought the Expos back in 2000, was a guy named Jim Beattie. Jim Beattie is a World Series winning pitcher for the New York Yankees, actually, for you Yankee fans out there. And he was the general manager for the Expos. We had him for two years. When we moved to Florida, he did not want to come to Florida. He was done. So that's when we promoted Larry Beinfest to be the GM who had been the assistant GM under Jim Beattie. So Larry moved with us to Florida, becomes the GM of the Marlins starting in 2002. I wonder what Jim Beatty was thinking in 2003 when Larry Beinfest was standing on stage getting a World Series trophy with Jeffrey Loria and with me and with Bud Selig who, by the way, was despondent to give us that trophy because he never won one during his long ownership of the Milwaukee Brewers. In any case, why was I talking about Jim Beattie? Jim Beattie then became the general manager of the Baltimore Orioles, except he was named co-general manager with a former pitcher named Mike Flanagan, who unfortunately, rest in peace, is no longer with us. Co-GMs don't work. Peter Angelos is the manager, is is the owner, fast forward to a year ago, and the Orioles hired a new manager named Mike Elias. Mike Elias comes from the Bill Belichick coaching tree, and he was very sought after, a very critical part of the Houston Astros organization. He had run scouting, he had run development, he became an assistant general manager. He was one of the Jeff Lunau, Jeff Lunau was the now disgraced GM of the Houston Astros, president of baseball operations, the guy who claimed he had no idea about the sign stealing. Remember, we've talked about him so many times. The guy who claimed that he didn't know anything when Jeff Lunau knew everything. Mike Elias was one of his generals. When he was hired to Baltimore, the view was this was a major step forward for the Angelos family, finally turning over the reins to somebody who would be able to do for the Orioles What was done with the Astros? Because Mike Elias, at the end of the day, was the one who had drafted Carlos Correa when he was running scouting. And the Astros, remember, they lost those 100 games three years in a row before they got good and won a World Series. So when Mike Elias was hired, the reason I called him part of the Bill Belichick tree is that there's a Jeff Lunau tree, just like a Bill Walsh tree in football or a Bill Parcells tree in football, a Bill Belichick tree in football. There are trees of Jeff Lunau all over baseball. Because while owners would be very quick to repudiate what went on with the Astros and repudiate Jeff Lunau's behavior and Jim Crane's behavior and A.J. Hinch's behavior, the reality is they were all trying to copy that behavior, me included. And to copy that behavior, the best thing to do is to get the people who did it, bring them to you, hire them, overpay them, and let them do it for you. So the Orioles bring in Mike Elias and the rebuild has not gone well. I don't want to say that it's like the Phillies whose rebuild has been an abject disaster. I want to say it's more like the Marlins where the rebuild is sort of ongoing. There's a chance it could work, but it may not. But the miracle doesn't seem to have taken place quite yet. So Mike Elias was asked by the media about the state of the Marlins' rebuild. Now, remember, when you are from the Jeff Lunau tree, you have to know that you are likely not very well-versed in media relations. You're likely not well-versed in communication. You're likely not well-versed in what to say, what not to say, and how to say what it is that you should be saying. So here's what Michael Elias said and this will inform you very well about the answer to the question. Quote, there will come a time when we flip the switch to maximizing wins in the upcoming season, but we're not there yet. Turn it off. Like a light switch, it's no little more trick. We do it all the time. Turn It Off is from a show called Book of Mormon. It's a Broadway play. Flipping the switch, that's my favorite. Mike Elias says there's going to come a time when we flip the switch. What does that mean? Do you flip the switch? That means now you want to win? That means you're going to go sign free agents? Are you going to sign good ones? Does that mean that the guys you drafted while you stunk are going to become good? Does it mean that you're all of a sudden going to be on the winning side of trades? Flip the switch. We want to win a trade now. Flip the switch. We want to win more games now. Can you imagine your GM saying that? If I'm the president of the team, I'm going down to Mark Elias and I'm saying, listen, Mark, hey, Marky Mark, put on your underwear. Let's model. Let's explain what we're not telling our fans right now. What we're not telling our fans is that there's going to be a switch that's going to be flipped and after that, we're going to care about winning. But right now, we don't. They may get it. They may know it. And other people may say it but it's not going to be us. What you need to tell the media, which then our fans will read, is we are exactly on schedule, pleased with the improvement of this team, looking forward to 2021, where there will be a step forward. We guarantee you that Brandon Hyde is the right person right now to manage this team, and we have given him players who are improving exactly as we suspected they would And you will see measurable improvement this coming year. When we believe it is time to add during the course of a season because we have a chance to be in the playoffs, my commitment to you, the fan, is we will do that. Even if it's a tiny, tiny bit delusional, we will do it because we want to win as much as you do. This isn't fun for us either. But this process is gonna work because my name is Mark, and I am the GM of the Baltimore Orioles. Should you believe in the process? Hell no. It's not working. All these guys under Jeff Lunau? Hmm. Are they good? Nah. Wait to see. All right, when we come back, oh, I should have worn my, why didn't I wear my uh, David Rose shirt today, Coca? You should have told me to do that. All right, when we come back, I'm going to review a new movie. It's a new Christmas movie, and it made me happy. We're also going to get to talk about apologies. I'm sorry. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thanks for making it through the gauntlet of commercials. Don't forget to support all the companies and CBS Sports Podcasts and subscribe and download and tell your friends. We uh, review a movie. We're going to talk about apologies because there's been so many of them, and I'm going to gloat about Chris Hassel also. But first, I want to give you a review. I watched a movie. It just came out called Happiest Season. Watched it. Either yesterday or the day before, I can't remember. And it stars Dan Levy and Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart, Robert Pattison's ex-girlfriend, the one from Twilight, the one from Adventureland, Kristen Stewart. It also stars Dan Levy and it also stars Victor Garber, the guy from Titanic. I built you a mighty fine ship, lassie. Holy shit, it's sinking. Don't worry, we got enough lifeboats. No, we don't. That's Victor Garber. It also stars Mary Steenbergen, who was in Parenthood. She was in Back to the Future 3. She plays a mother married to Victor Garber. They have a daughter who is coming home for the holidays tried to hide, and trying to hide the fact that she's a lesbian. It also stars Alison Brie, who I love. And I mean love, Allison, if you're listening. Allison, I love you, Allison. I know I've never met you, but I just feel like I do. Uh, Aubrey Plaza, I have not met you, but I like you a lot. She's in that movie, too. What a cast. The movie is a popcorn movie, meaning NBCR. That is an important, when you rank movies, and you're deciding what kind of movie you want to watch, there's a ranking. It's not NC-17. It's not R. It's not PG-13. It's not PG. It's called NBCR. No brain cells required. You just sit there, and you let the syrup envelop you. That's it. You just sort of watch, and you're saying, wow, this is really stupid. It's making me smile. I feel my teeth. I'm showing my teeth. Ooh, I know what he's going to say right here. Yeah, he said it. Oh, I know exactly what's going to happen at the end. Oh, wait a minute. Could she end up with her? No, Kristen Stewart's not going to end up with R.B. Plaza. Could be. No, no, no. It's NBCR. NBCR means that at the end, everything's going to work out fine with the girl she was with to begin with. And what's Dan Levy doing? Dan Levy plays David Rose from Schitt's Creek. Remember the phone ring, the ringtone I have? One of my favorite series of all time, the Emmy Award winning Schitt's Creek. Dan Levy plays sort of the same character. He's Kristen Stewart's best friend. And somehow, at the end, it all works out. It has to because it's NBCR. Happiest Season. If you're looking for that type of movie, you want to get in the spirit, get in the spirit. Happiest season. I don't know what channel it's on. Hulu. It's on Hulu. Okay, nothing personal. Pick of the day. Chris Hassel, are you listening? We took Iowa minus 36 over Western Illinois. Ding, ding, ding. We got a winner. Iowa's up by 22 at the half. So I thought to myself, it makes perfect sense. They're going to win by 44. I stopped watching. I was off by three points. Iowa won by 41 points. We are now 36 and 32 because there's no doubt you took Iowa over Western Illinois. Way to go. Okay. It's a Friday. And I want to apologize for anything that may have offended you during the last 266 shows, plus all the Samson sit-downs. We have a new one coming tomorrow. I want to apologize in advance for that. I want to tell you that sometimes I say things that I don't mean to say. (laughs) Excuse me. Sometimes I get personal and and I don't mean to. And I just want to say that I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. Too many sorries. No more sorries. No more secrets, Marty. Do you know that expression, Coca? No more secrets, Marty? It's from a movie called Sneakers. Ben Kingsley says it to Robert Redford, who plays the part of Marty. No more secrets, Marty. I can't do his accent. Why am I ending the show and ending the week with this? Because there's something going on in the world right now. And it's become eyewash and watered down and absolute uh, insincere. When you do something all the time, whatever it is, it loses its allure, right? Loses its luster. That's why it's important to always have goals, to always strive for more, to always try to be different, to dare to be different. Always take chances that other people aren't taking. All the philosophies of life that I have that I'm hoping that many of you have, but most people don't, but I'm hoping many people, if you're watching or listening, it's nothing personal, we have some sort of connection, albeit without a studio audience and through a camera with some millennial yelling in my ear that I suck ass every other day. When you do something too much, it becomes habitual, and then it doesn't become special or meaningful. There has been a proliferation of apologies during this era of cancel culture, the likes of which I've never seen before. Apologies are necessary when you do something wrong, but if they are not sincere and if they are not personal and everybody can see through them because the apologies are merely meant to save your job, to save your relationship, to save your work, to save your pleasure, to save yourself, then no one's buying it anymore. What you're selling, no one's buying. Chris Collinsworth yesterday is the network analyst calling football games. He was calling the Steelers game on Wednesday afternoon. Now, granted, he may have been tired. It was Wednesday afternoon. He told a story during the broadcast that caught everyone's attention. He was talking about a bunch of women he met at a bar or a restaurant who were talking up the Steelers and excited about the Steelers trying to go 11-0. and And were said on the air that he was blown away by the knowledge that they had of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Why is that worthy of an apology? this day and age, people were offended, I guess. People called into the network or tweeted at him and said, how dare you say that you were blown away because a woman knew about sports? Women can know as much about sports as men. Of course they can. When I go around Miami whether I am with a woman or a man or someone who's white or a person of color or someone who speaks only Spanish or only English or only French, I am not commenting on them as a person or their religion or their sex when they tell me something about the team that is something so significantly random my reaction would be holy crap that's so awesome i'm blown away that you even known that that you know that i'm surprised and shocked that you pay enough attention what are, i'm not apologizing if i say that to a woman or a man or a cuban or a jew or anybody Today on our broadcast, I made reference to a couple of women that I met, women or who, to a couple of women who I met in Pittsburgh who so impressed me with their football knowledge that I wanted to tell their story on the air. I know the way I phrased it, insulted many. I'm so sorry. What I intended as a compliment to the fans of Pittsburgh became an insult. I'm sick about insulting any fan, he said. But especially female fans and journalists. I know firsthand how hard they have to work. Can, can, can you just explain how that works, Coca? Just explain to me what that apology was for. Now, I understand in this world right now, Collinsworth had to come out and he had to apologize. What I want to present to you is an understanding that if we don't make it clear when apologies are necessary and for what they're necessary every apology becomes meaningless. When you actually hurt someone and then your apology is not taken in the vein in which it was intended because all the other apologies have become just noise signifying nothing, then we have ruined what it is to actually apologize. What about Kirk Cur- Street? He apologized. He took to Instagram and did a video. I'm so sorry for what I said While I'm an Ohio State guy, he said in a video, I love Michigan. I would never do anything to hurt Michigan or Jim Harbaugh. He said on a show, he's a college football guy, he said that it wouldn't surprise me if they wanted COVID so they could not have to play their game against Ohio State. I thought that was funny, right? If you are in this day and age, you use everything you can to your advantage, if you have a bunch of COVID cases, maybe you forfeit the game, maybe you postpone the game. You're taking advantage, like we used to do, of rain in Miami. But somehow there was such pushback to Herb Street because he was impugning the desire of Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan players to want to play a game that he felt it was necessary to apologize. I'm sorry, Michigan. I love you. I love you. He knew exactly what he was saying. That apology didn't mean a thing. And I am equating that to Collinsworth because Collinsworth's apology was not necessary. He wasn't being offensive towards women. What about Joe Fisher? Another one. Play-by-play man for 23 years for Vanderbilt. 23 years. Goes on air. Speech is slurred. Drunk as a skunk. He had to resign, and he checked himself into rehab. Now that's an apology. He said that he is sorry for the way he acted, how inappropriate he was. He apologized to the athletic director, to the president of Vanderbilt. He apologized to the fans, to the players, to the coaches. He had been a mainstay in Vanderbilt for 23 years And he went to his job and was unable to do his job. He wanted to save his job, and he was under the impression that he would be able to save his job when he went on the apology tour to the athletic director and the president. He did not know that he would be asked to resign or told he was going to be fired if he didn't resign. The athletic director and president wished him well in his new journey to get healthy. That type of apology was critical for Joe Fisher to start the process of healing, to start the process of getting better. When you are to the point where you cannot control your drinking, your drug use, or your any other activity where you have a microphone in front of you, and you cannot perform your job you will have no choice but to apologize. The same way I would tell you that you need to apologize if you wrong somebody, if you cannot perform the way you were asked to perform, the way you are paid to perform. That's a sincere apology that we need to accept. Now, don't get me wrong. The reason why there are all sorts of apologies on the spectrum. The reason why People feel in this day and age that they've got to get out in front of the apology bandwagon so they don't get run over by the cancel culture and lose their jobs. Why everyone goes onto social media and starts their apology, whether it's through a release on a Twitter page or an Instagram or a Facebook. It's clear as day, and it's been clear as day since the beginning of time. It's just business. I'm sorry, it's nothing personal.